Welcome to the Couples Healing Podcast, where you'll get the tools for him to overcome his addiction, for her to find healing from the pain that it causes her, and for you to heal your relationship and come back together. I hope that you enjoy and subscribe. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode. I'm happy to have you guys here again. I've got something that I want to talk about that's been on my mind the last week or so. And I think it's so many so many couples are wondering and try to figure out what needs to happen in a relationship in order for it to be safe enough for the woman to start to trust the, the man again. What are the key indicators? What should they be looking for? How do they know when it's time? How can the man know what to do to know how to create, how to become more trustworthy or the kind of person that she can open up to and rely on again, because sometimes he doesn't have a map for that. So I thought about today, I want to share with you some key indicators of how you can know when it's safe to trust again and what he can be working on to demonstrate that he's changing and that he's different and he wants things to be better. And through these actions, she can start to rely and trust on that, trust trust him in those areas. I've boiled it down into, I like to think about things in terms of like frameworks or uh, action steps or just like a process so that it's number one, easier to teach. And number two, it's easier for people to have clarity to just know where to put their actions, where to put their attention. So I, I kind of have this, this framework in my mind. There's two key areas that indicate that it's okay to start to trust again. And like I've mentioned before in previous podcasts, I think trust is a decision that we make. It ultimately comes down to a decision, deciding to open up and deciding to believe and to become vulnerable again and to bring the wall down. I think it's crucial to understand that in order to make that decision safely, there are things that need to be in place. I would never encourage a woman to just blindly trust her husband and and say, well, he said he's going to do better. So just go ahead and give him another shot and open up and and bring your wall down and let's see how this goes. I would never encourage that for somebody. I want both people, him and her, to know what to be looking for, to know what to be doing in order to create the safety. And so if they know exactly where to be spending their time and attention, they can just shortcut the process. Not that it's half done, but that you don't have to spin your wheels unnecessarily if you know the the path and you know exactly how to get there. So the first overview, the first uh, overarching principle or indicator is being able to develop a sense of emotional connection. And I've talked a lot about this in the podcast because truly that's at the heart of what helps couples to heal. It's what helps trauma to heal. It's what helps addiction to heal. When couples learn how to connect and, and consistently be able to open up. So what does that mean? Just to define this even more. When there's consistent opening up and sharing and letting each other in and being vulnerable with one another, talking about fears and concerns. I had a call with somebody who recently reached out saying that he was looking for help. And so we barely started working together. And in our first session, we talked about this idea that if he wants to rebuild his relationship, he's not sure where things are and that uh, he's not sure if his wife is going to be willing to try again. So we're working individually right now. And he's, and I said, if you want there to be a possibility of the door being open for her to trust you again and for you to rebuild the relationship, it will come through being vulnerable and through sharing and creating safety and interacting with her differently. And he said to me that he is terrified. He used the word terrified. He said, I'm terrified of being vulnerable because I've never done that with anybody before. 
And they've been married for a long, long time, many decades. But he's never truly let her in because of fear. He said that he's afraid that if he were to let her in and she were to see this scared little boy inside of him that's using this comfort blanket or a way to escape from how he feels in a destructive way, he's afraid that if he were to share that he's hurting and he does feel small, that she's not going to want to stay. She's not going to want to stay with somebody who struggles and who doesn't have everything in place that he wants to have in place. And on the outside, he's got everything in place in terms of career, in terms of family, uh, meaning like kids and have kids who are on the path to being successful. So he's got these external things in place, but internally he feels very uncertain. And the idea of letting her in on the fact that he does feel like this, he feels this fear of failure. And then again, as a result of this overwhelm that he feels, he just copes in a negative way. He was terrified to let her in. And so I think in order for people to truly have a strong relationship with one another and a key indicator, again, of whether it's not, whether it's safe for her to start to trust again, is if he can start to open up and share with her in a different way consistently. I remember working with somebody about seven years ago and we were talking about this idea and she said that. That all made sense. That resonated the idea of when he can open up and connect with her on an emotional level and be present with her. Something that I'd said to her in the past was that somebody who's in addic- somebody who's in addiction can't be present and open and vulnerable and be in the addiction at the same time. I needed to clarify the first thing, the first time that I told her this, I needed to clarify you can have moments of connection. You can have good moments, of course, but if he's hiding and lying and compartmentalizing, he's not able to consistently maintain that level of connection with her because he's compartmentalizing, because there's energy going to suppress things and to keep secrets back. That takes mental energy. It takes emotional energy to keep that aside. And so he can't be fully present and transparent when he's got his energy divided a part of him keeping secrets and the other part of him trying to be there in their relationship. So she got confused by this initially when I first spoke this because she said, well, that makes sense. But the problem is that uh, a couple of weeks ago, my husband and I, we went on a vacation and he put his phone down and we had good conversations in the hotel. We went out and we did fun things and he cared about me. And then a month later, I found out that he was back in the addiction and he had relapsed and he just didn't tell me about it. So that's when I clarified and said, yes, we can have moments of connection, but you can't maintain that consistently. And then she responded and said, yes, you're right, because I had been feeling like something was a little bit off. I didn't quite know what it was, but something was off. And after he he revealed that he had been back in the addiction, that he had slipped, then everything fell into place. So when I talk about being able to connect with your partner, I think it's in a consistent way, being able to be vulnerable and share and talk about these things that are going on on the inside of us, whether it's fears or concerns or goals and dreams and visions that you have or things that you're struggling with. The more we open up with our partner and let them in on what's happening for us, that is the, those are the ingredients to create that sense of closeness. And if somebody's doing that and they're going to their, and if he is doing that, I'll speak specifically for him, 
if the husband is doing that and sharing with his wife, hey, I'm struggling with this. Hey, I'm overwhelmed by this. Hey, I feel scared by this. I feel like I'm failing at work and I just feel like people see me as weak. I feel like I'm not measuring up or whatever he's going to share. The more he lets her in on that, there is a completely different conversation that can take place where she can respond on an emotional level as well and offer support or encouragement or words of uh, acceptance or, or compassion. She's able to interact with him differently instead of him keeping this all to himself and shutting down and avoiding or snapping at her or being frustrated or defensive when all this other stuff is going on underneath the surface. There's just a completely different interaction there. So when he's able to consistently do that, and that's a part of the process. When I work with couples, I, I, I offer and help them through implementing the tools of being able to open up. And so this takes some time for people to first understand what it is, but this is the process, what I'm sharing with you, this, this opening up. And many people just need help because they don't have the muscle memory and there's blocks that come up or defensiveness or fears. That's a big part of what we're working through. And so once men know how and have had guidance and support, if that's necessary for them to be able to implement and actually follow through on sharing, that's when the relationship really takes a different turn. And so just to recap that, the first indicator is if you guys can connect on an emotional level consistently and he's letting you in and he's sharing with her what's going on and opening up in a different way, that's when you know he's doing something different. That's when you know he's changing and he's working on things and he's acknowledging what's going on inside of him, which again is what doesn't happen in addiction. When he keeps everything to himself and then she doesn't know about what's going on, that's the recipe for a potential slip because all of that builds up and it becomes overwhelming. And then eventually he needs a, 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 an escape or a relief from the pain that he's feeling. So when he's taking that pain to her and processing that with her or friends or family or just getting support with that, then you can tell, okay, this is different. He's turning to me. He's opening up. He's sharing. This feels much different. I can, I can start to believe and feel like we're on a different track. Now, the second thing is equally as important. I'm working with a client right now or a couple right now, and they're such a great couple. And as we've, now I remember working with a couple and they were just, they're awesome. I really, really enjoyed working with them. And what happened was as we were going through the process, step number one is to understand, identify what's causing the addiction, what's driving this, and let's put things in place to resolve that. Let's put tools in place. Let's process through these negative beliefs that might be there. Let's give you different ways to respond to how you feel, create new habits. We put these different things in place early on in the process. And then as we go, we can see where we need to keep giving that attention based on what happens. And so as, as he goes forward and if he gets triggered by something, whether or not he slips, if there's a trigger or a pull towards the addiction again, then we try to identify, okay, what's, what happened there? Uh, what was it that pulled you back into this old thought process? And then let's challenge that. Let's resolve that and help you to keep moving forward. Now he was doing really, really well. And he shared with his partner 
that he was in a really good place. And then eventually after about six weeks, he then revealed that he had been struggling for the past month or two, that he had been back in the addiction, but he didn't really want to share and open up. And this was, of course, just devastating for her because when there would be a slip, she would be the one that needed to find it. She would have to ask the right questions. She would be the one who needed to discover it because he was not being forthright with everything that had happened. Some things he did share, some things he did not. It got to the point where he said, I just, I want to be honest. I want to share with you everything that's been going on. And he'd been struggling, which is okay. That's fine for somebody to have a struggle. That's why they're reaching out to get help. But unless he was able to acknowledge that and take ownership over that, there's nothing that we could do because we weren't, we were focusing on a different part of the process because as we met together, he, he would say like, I'm in a really good spot. So when I hear that, we move to a different part of the process and we kind of keep an eye on things as we go. And so as a result of this, whatever he tried to say to her no longer mattered. In other words, he would try to be open. He would try to share. He would try to reassure her. He would try to say, hey, I'm in a different place. Hey, I'm working on things. I'm, I'm doing better. But none of those things helped her because she had been so traumatized by the dishonesty in the past, not just within that last month, but previously, before they even reached out for help, there had been the same cycles of lying, dishonesty, and hiding. So because they were actively working on things and because he had said he was in a different place or in a much better spot, then for her to find out that he actually wasn't completely destroyed any semblance of trust. Now, the problem is that he wasn't forthcoming from the beginning because she had said multiple times, I can work with a struggle that you're having. If you step back and slip back into an old pattern, I can work with that. I want to support you. I want to be there for you in any way that I can. I can't fix this for you, but I want to encourage you. And I just want to know what's going on though, because I cannot be stuck in the dark. And as many times as she tried to reassure him that it's okay if you're on the path and you're working on it, I'm totally good with that. We're going to figure this out. We're going to get through this. But for her to then be blindsided by the dishonesty and the secrecy, that's the thing that made her struggle the most. So I want the men right now to hear this, that if you're struggling, if you're having a hard time, that's okay. It's okay to have a struggle the dishonesty and the deception and the lying and the hiding is the thing that damages every, and I, I can tell you from working with hundreds of couples that the women will all, uh, I don't want to say all, 99% of the women I've ever worked with will say, I can deal with the struggles. I cannot deal with dishonesty. And so now as a result of this broken trust, this is where I want to link in the second indicator it's safe to trust because she can no longer believe him when he says, I'm in a good place. Hey, we're okay. I haven't been tempted. I'm not triggered. Like I just feel like things are much better for me. She can't believe that anymore. And while he tries to connect with her emotionally and while he tries to open up or tries to have conversations, tries to support her or reassure her, she can't believe that either. So we have to sequence things in the right order. I always begin 
giving couples tools to be able to have different conversations with one another. Because if they get stuck in these patterns of defensiveness and frustration or anger or lashing out or avoiding and shutting down, you can't build anything when couples get stuck there. So I always want to start out by giving them tools to be able to communicate differently, even if she is having a hard time believing him. That's okay. We want to at least interrupt these negative cycles and stop the fighting and create a sense of calm so you can come together and have hard conversations and have discussions with one another in a way that feels productive. Once we start to build on that foundation and they have the tools they need to turn towards each other instead of away, instead of him turning to the addiction or him turning just away from her and shutting down and isolating, even if he's not acting out, for them to know how to come together, because that's that's one of the main areas that I think couples struggle with, that in the traditional uh, in the traditional way of, of healing from addiction and trauma, couples aren't, they're not given the tools that they need to come together. And so while there's different pieces and there's a time, there's timing and the sequence needs to be all in the right order. But one of the things that's so critical is helping them learn how to turn towards one another. Now, in this case, as they were working on things and they had good moments of it, but he was not able to, this is again, where I go back to this being an indicator, the first one, they would have good moments. They would have good conversations together. But then whenever she would like to talk about things, most of the time, he wouldn't want to talk. He wouldn't want to open up. Any conversation they did have, she had to initiate because he would avoid this topic. And there's a couple of reasons why. Well, there's maybe many different reasons why. Two reasons that I can think of off the top of my head. Number one, I think men avoid these conversations. Number one, if they're afraid of them leading to a fight. Nobody wants to fight. Even if they're telling the truth, even if they're really not acting out, so many men aren't quite sure how to approach a conversation in a way that leads to a resolution because their cycle has been such that when they have talked about the addiction or trauma or anything related to this, it's, it, it seems to end up in a fight. And so they don't want to fight. Therefore, they're not going to go near that topic because they don't know how to do it yet. So that's one of the reasons. Another reason is if there if there is dishonesty and they're not wanting to really confront things, then that can be another reason why they avoid. So I don't want you to think that okay, if he's avoiding these conversations, that must mean he's acting out in the addiction. That's not that's not that's not the case. A lot of times, a lot of times, what I find out it more is the case is just they're afraid because they don't know how to do it. They don't want to end up in a fight. They don't want to say the wrong thing. But sometimes you don't know. Sometimes she doesn't know where this comes from. So for him, he wasn't opening up and being honest and transparent. And that was a part of the reason why he didn't want to talk about this stuff. So again, it's impossible for me to tell you in your specific situation what it is, but those are a couple of the reasons why it can be hard for people to open up. I always want to start giving them tools so they don't end up in fights so they can talk about things if there ever is a struggle. And so given all of this as the background, the thing that he needs to do now what he also needed to be doing throughout the whole time, really, but even more so there's an emphasis now on him taking consistent action to demonstrate he's a different person. So he started with trying to have conversations and trying to open up and process things with her. And while he would have moments of that, there are many times where he did not do that. And now as a result of these, like what, what we call staggered disclosures, where you get some and then you find out there's more, and then you get a little bit more, 
and they say, well, that's everything now, I promise. And then you find out a few months later, there, there is more and that wasn't everything. These staggered disclosures devastate trust. So even more so now, because the words, the words don't, it's almost like they don't count anymore. Don't take that the wrong way, meaning they don't have the same weight. I'll say it like that. They don't have the same weight or power. For some women, they don't count at all, actually. I've had that happen before where couples, the wife will say, I don't believe anything he says, so it doesn't even matter. I've heard all this before. I can't believe any of this, so it doesn't, it doesn't even matter for her. So we have to rely on the second principle, the second indicator, which is consistent action in him demonstrating that he is a different person, him doing things differently. It's not then just a matter of abstaining from the addiction. We want him to engage in life in a different way. We want him to develop into a different person. Not that he has to, again, meaning more specifically, not that he has to become somebody that he's not, but for him to become a more refined version of himself. There's a a story that I'll share. There's a, a Facebook group that I'm in and one woman posted and she said, Uh, This has been a long road for us. And when we first started this road, my husband was in a very different place. We fought all about like we went to therapy. This wasn't with me, but this is with their therapist, whoever it was. We went to therapy and we, we fight over boundaries. We fought over dishonesty. We fought over all this stuff. It was just a battle. We were constantly disconnected. There's constant tension and anger there. So she said, she set a very hard boundary and said, it's either the addiction or it's me. You're going to work on things or you're not, but I'm not going to continue to stay here in the relationship. If you don't acknowledge that there's a problem, if you don't take accountability for this, and if you're not willing to work on this, I can't move forward. So that again, they go to therapy and they're doing all this fighting and there's a shift of like, okay, like I, I really want to put forth my effort. I want to be serious about this. And so he starts to take everything seriously. And she said that in the beginning stages of their relationship, she talked about him failing out of college and he couldn't get accepted into a grad program because uh, year after year, he just wasn't prepared. He wasted all of his free time on playing video games. He would steal money from her parents for video games. He was up all hours of the night. She said he was just a terrible husband. He lied about everything. He almost got fired from his job multiple times and because all he could think about was the addiction and the video games and just like over and over. And she said she'd go on and on and on about how things were just such in such an awful place. And then fast forward to where they are now. He's He's got a successful career. He doesn't play video games anymore. He went to school. He did well in school. He gets respect and praise from the people who work with him because he's a hard worker. He helps around the house with the chores and with the kids. He's got hobbies. He's engaged in things that are meaningful. He's thriving in his life. She said, it's just such a night and day difference between who he was as a person as opposed to who he is now. And I think for couples to truly get to the next level, We have to just put away these meaningless, unfulfilling activities that pull us away from each other and pull us away from living who we really are at our core. So when men 
flip this switch, and sometimes it's a switch, a lot of times it's a gradual progression. So, but whenever there is a shift and men start to step into who they really are and they develop their attributes and their qualities and they start to make progress as individuals and set goals and have a vision for where they want to go and they're taking action, and they're taking steps towards those things, there's a change that happens individually and there's a change that happens in the relationship. So for her, there was, a, again, like if it was for them a gradual change, but he started to release some of this just old, unfulfilling, meaningless stuff instead of wasting all this time and stealing money and doing this, doing these things that weren't making anybody happy, himself included. Then he started to step into the person that he wanted to be. And so I think when husbands are able to demonstrate consistent action that's in alignment with their goals, there's two ways that we can focus and think about this. Number one, them just becoming a better person, them improving personal development, growth, change, progress. That is so fulfilling for an individual when they start to say, I don't want to live this life anymore. I don't want to be this kind of a person anymore. I've just been caught up in this meaningless stuff and my life is not fulfilling. I want something more. And then they start to create a vision for what they want. Once you start to identify, this is the kind of direction I want to move in. You don't have to have everything completely painted in the, in the beginning, but if you have a general direction of like, this is the kind of person I want to be. I want to be somebody who's kinder. I want to be somebody who serves, who helps with the kids, who improves in his spirituality or at work, has a better relationship with his wife. Once you start with the category, then you can start to paint that much more clearly and then identify what does that look like for you? How will you know when you're a better husband? How will you know when, you're have, when you have a better relationship with your kids? What specific indicators will you, sh will you be able to demonstrate? Somebody might say, well, in order for me, to be a for me to be a better husband, the vision that I have in my mind is I'm going to be present. I'm not going to be on my phone all the time. I'm going to either eliminate or limit this unfulfilling. So, I, so in her particular example, he's not playing video games anymore. Do I think that somebody has to give up their video games in order to have a successful marriage? No. Do I think somebody has to stop watching TV and not go to movies? No, I don't think that's true. I think if you put everything in its proper place, now for some people, there really is no room for video games in some relationships. For other ones, if, if you limit them or if you're engaged in the relationship and in the family, and sometimes you have some downtime, you play games, like that's fine. You guys can work that out. But there is just a change in somebody's temperament, their person, their, their, their approach. It's like they're... I use the word temperament. I'm not sure if that's the best word. There's a change in somebody's like mentality. And they start to set aside things that don't bring any fulfillment or benefit. And they start to incorporate things that do. Instead of avoiding and hiding and living small, you're able to step into the person that you would like to be by first identifying who you want that person to actually become. And so... When husbands are able to consistently act in a way that demonstrates that they're changing. Again, I'll give you some examples of this. For some, for some people, I was just working with somebody recently. She said, I just want him to be present more. 
I don't want him to be on his phone all the time. When we're at dinner or at the dinner table or if we're hanging out with the family or the kids, I don't want his face in his phone. Or she says, I want him to be checking in with me. I want him to initiate conversations. I want him to be taking me out and spending time together. I want us to be building our relationship. I want him to be, some some men will say, so for me personally, if I say like, I want to improve in a certain area of my life, then I'll try to set a goal and, okay, what does that look like? If I'm going to get better at this thing, maybe I want to be reading more. Maybe I want to be journaling more. Maybe I want to be exercising more. Whatever the thing is for you in that's in alignment with your goals, those are the things you can be consistent in. And then in terms of the relationship, it's so important to identify where the fears are, where the concerns are, where's the where are the misses that need to be addressed. So going back to this uh, one example, this couple said, I just want him to be off of his phone and more present with me. So that then is feedback for him to know where to put his attention and his energy. It's being present. For other people, again, it might be spending time together. Whatever the fear is, that makes it difficult for her to trust, that's where I would encourage you to spend your time in putting systems in place to make sure you're following through on whatever it is that will help her to feel reassured. So if it's wasting hours and hours of time, if it's going to bed at 2 a.m. and sleeping in a different room or whatever the case is where she starts to feel uncertain, giving that feedback to him so he can make those changes and say, okay, you know what? Like, Yes, I want to be more present. I want to be more engaged. Yes, let's let's set goals for what we want to be doing. And I'm going to set goals for what I want to be doing. The more you can be consistent with your actions and demonstrate change that way, that is going to be such an important aspect of what will help her bring her wall down. So just to reemphasize or just to recap all of this, the two frameworks, number one, creating this connection in the relationship through sharing, through vulnerability, through openness, through transparency having conversations, being able to come together instead of apart. That's number one. Number two, consistent action. Whatever it is that she needs to feel safe, those conversations are so important to have so he knows where to spend his time and attention. Again, whether it's present, being present, whether it's working on himself, whether it's uh, personal development, whether it's showing up in the relationship in a certain way, the more feedback he knows about what is important for her, that's what will help build the relationship. And then he can create his own goals and vision for who he wants to become and then step into those things and put the systems in place so he can follow through. Not that you have to do a whole overhaul of who you are. Even if you pick out one thing, if you want to find one thing that you want to improve on, one area of your life, whether it's physical, emotional, spiritual, career, family, relationships, picking out one category, starting with that and saying, this is where I want to make progress. And this is what I want my life to look like in this area. This is one habit or system that I want to have in place because that'll benefit me in these other ways. I think starting there will help you to then have some direction to take action. So I would encourage you guys, as you have some time, come together and have this conversation and start to talk about what does this look like for you specifically? How can you start to rebuild the trust in these couple of areas? And then it's a matter of simply following through and implementing what you discuss so you can then start drop by drop, putting things in place, building, putting drops of trust in this bucket 
so that you truly can have the relationship where you feel close and excited and it's fulfilling because you're building on a strong foundation. So I hope that helps. I would encourage you to have that conversation so you know what to implement. And then then it's just a matter of getting to work and putting that into practice. Uh, I look forward to speaking to the guys next week. And I hope that this conversation goes well. And uh, I'll, I'll be looking forward to sharing some other tools as we move forward. All right. Thanks a lot. Take care. Wait, before you go, I'm offering free access for my podcast listeners to a course I created. So make sure you go to coupleshealing.org so you can get some tools to start the healing process individually and in your relationship. Or if you want even more support and you'd like to work with me directly, you can contact me with the info that's on that website as well. I'm excited for you to make progress on your journey. 